A very good morning, one and all. It's really good to see everybody here this morning, prompt, ready, getting to hear. And thank you so much, uh, Pastor Adrian, for reading God's Word and you guys for responding. And you guys, well done. You have uh, read, you have heard uh, a very large chunk of Bible passage today. And I, I shall, I'll spare you by not always referring, but I will just narrate. Narrate in a very local way. And I hope uh, to communi- communicate the same truth which the Word of God reveals to me when I was doing So let's begin our time by pondering this question. How do you respond to power? To answer that, we have to define the meaning of power. To me, at least, right? Power means authority and influence. Now, power is practically exercised by all of us. Agree? Knowingly or unknowingly. Example, it will be like your parents exercising their power over their children. The teachers, slide, thank you so much. <coughs> the teachers over students, governments over citizens, bosses over employees, and so on and so forth. Conversely, children in and requests might just get the parents to give in and give up. Students' collective proposal could turn the table around. Shared interests of citizens for the common good of a country, might just have the government of the day take heed or they risk losing out on elections. An employee's strike might destabilize the economy and operational health of the company, if not the whole country. Now at least we know that such power is seen within the interrelational sphere or psychologists would term it as social power. There are, there are few other power bases which generally falls what I broadly categorize as interrelational power. But what I sincerely hope we will notice to this morning passage is way beyond and far exceed what we understand and what we know of power. There are all the power, all the power exercised by us combined are still no match for the absolute power that prayerfully will firmly fix our thoughts and hearts about Jesus. Now, but before we take a look at power in the passage, let's briefly recap the context of this passage that falls within and a continuation of chapter 4. Now, anyone can remember what was shared by Pastor Adrian last weekend? Hey, you all got listening or not? Uh? He's sitting here now. Um, I'm, sure, I'm sure you had, uh, but shy only, uh, right? But I remembered, I remembered the phrase mentioned many times by Pastor Adrian is, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you even more. Remember that? Well, it was a shout-out. A shout-out to what? A shout-out to carefully consider. Consider the parables. The parables of the sower, of the seed growing, and the parable of the master seed. And so, what purpose are the parables, along with the story of a lamb, uh, a, sta- a lamb on a stand, all means? Well, it simply explained people's reaction either of 
being excited, right? Excited, enthusiast, or the reaction of fierce rejection. Fierce rejection to what? Fierce rejection to the kingdom, the message to the kingdom of God. And to reject the message of the kingdom of God is to reject the king himself. And also, there is also a hidden reality of the growth of the kingdom of God, whereby no man can contribute to anything that God has already willed, that God has already purposed. And so, the parables of the kingdom of God was taught to the, taught to who? Taught to the insiders first, like to the disciples. And only later, when Jesus is no longer around, this seed, this gospel, this word of God about Jesus is to be spread far and wide by his deciders then to the outsiders and to the rest of the world. So this is the context of what we're going to look into now. And so what happened next happens within this day. The teaching on the parables took place by the Sea of Galilee and by which time when we reach uh, chapter, uh, this passage here, it was already evening. And so Jesus said, let us go over to the other side. So they were at Capernaum, so now they are crossing over to the other side. That means to say, north-south, east side, right, of the Sea of Galilee. Now, leaving the crowd behind, the disciples took Jesus along, just as he was, in the boat, and there were other boats with him too, as recorded. And then Motintin, without warning, what it means, without warning, a storm broke out, catching them by surprise. The Sea of Galilee, being close to 700 feet below sea level, is very susceptible to sudden violent storms till today. Till today. Now, have you experienced sea storm before? Maybe you'll take a look at this video, then we can appreciate the video. Just imagine you're on board this ship. How do you feel? What do you experience? Thank you. I hope that you express a little bit, a glimpse of what the disciples and Jesus actually went through. Scary, isn't it? And just imagine, this is a big boat, no? And just imagine a smaller boat that they were in. And this is the boat that actually, yeah, was taken. And um, in the, it's not the museum, not the Israel Museum. Somewhere in the Sea of Galilee, there's a museum that actually they found um, a replica, or, or for, for that matter, not a replica, the, uh, the skeleton of a boat just like this. Not necessarily uh, the boat that Jesus was on it, but it gives us an idea how big was the boat, right? And it was very shallow. And you think this kind of boat can survive a heavy storm? Think again, think again. And the boat they were in stood no chance of staying dry, at least we read just now, right? Water splash into the boat, and we know that if too much water comes into the boat, what happens? It sinks, right? And so if you are in the boat, what will you do? 
Kalang kabut lah, right? Our local language, right? Hokkien say mzi mtit lah. Or in English, it just means panic station. Panic! Panic here, panic here. Run here, run there. Like a headless chicken. I mean, if your life is at stake, what makes it worse is to see someone not being bothered. More so sleeping in the midst of a threatening situation. No? And that's not it. As though uh, to add insult to injury, right? You notice, huh? it's described, if you can remember what you read, right? Describe Jesus as sleeping on the cushion somewhere, no? Man, here you are fighting for your life. You're trying your best to just keep the, the, the boat afloat and not to sing and, and, and want everybody to chip in. And then you see, here Jesus lying in the back of the boat, soundly asleep. Steady, huh? Real steady, man. And also it shows uh, how very detailed uh, the author, you know, in, in, even, in even describing that he slept on, Jesus slept on a cushion. Surely the disciples, right? What you do? Then you wake Jesus up. Uh. And does it puzzle you? Why Jesus can sleep so soundly? Uh? I've been on a boat like this before, bigger than this boat. And I've got my own story of telling you uh, facing a typhoon, real typhoon, real boat, real story, but I'll leave it to some other time unless you want to buy me dinner. Lah. Now, some say he could possibly be tired to show that he is human. Yet we know he's still the Son of God. And so, if that's be the case, then he's both divine and human. And some say perhaps to test the faith of his disciples. What do you think? Possibly both. Because remember, he spent the whole day teaching parables with his disciples. Now trust me, teaching can be thrilling, yet also very, very tiring. So I've, I haven't slept for the past few days, you know, because I've prepared this message. <laughs> you don't believe me, you can laugh, huh? Now, I've been told by one of my, my lecturers right, in college that a study has shown that the 45 minutes sermon, 45 minutes sermon takes about 8 to 9 hours of energy out of the preachers. That's how tiring it can be. I know, right? The listeners also get tired too, lah, after 45 minutes of listening, right? But don't worry, this one I won't tell Pastor Chris about the length of his... Oops, sorry, did I say that? <laughs> you don't go back and tell him. But not so the crowd there, you notice or not? Not so the crowd, they kept coming and staying. So you should come and stay and listen carefully now, yeah? And so that's the human part of Jesus, right? Tired, fall asleep. Not that he was apathetic, right? You know what apathetic means or not? Mantola. You know what's manto? No feeling, ah. That's manto. That's a feeling, right? That's, he's just tired. He's not apathetic. He's not. He's got no feeling. That shows the human side of Jesus. For with Christ in the vessel, we sing. With Christ in the vessel, we can smile at the storm, right? Wrong. Because the rejection of the disciple, or oh, sorry, the reaction of the disciples to Jesus was said to be more, more accusing than pleading for help. And Jesus 
got up, rebuked the wind and the waves. Tiama, Pengcheng, quiet, be still. Interesting, huh? I just noticed, you know. Why he say quiet? He just can, he can say quiet or he can just say be still, right? Who make, between the wind and the waves, who make noise? Wind, right? Have you heard the wind howling or not? Probably if you, are stay, you stay in Singapore, you won't. But if you stay in big, big countries or you're out in the sea where you experience the storm, you would hear the howling of the wind. Ooh, like that. And then the waves is the one that is choppy, right? So it's as if Jesus is talking. No? The wind, you're making noise. Quiet. The waves, you're too rowdy. Be calm, be still. Interesting, huh? Notice that. No? I don't know. I notice that. I get very excited. You know? Because that tells me something. That nature even has ears to hear and obey. How about we? We have ears? Yes. Are we obeying? I don't know. I'll leave that to you. We have ears, but got a lot of sticky and gooing stuff inside us. I'm saying about myself. Uh, no, don't be too self-conscious. Huh? Now, Jesus then turned to his disciple and asked a most penetrating question. Why so afraid? Why no favor? Now, I find this question by Jesus very puzzling, right? Why? I don't know about you, no? If I find myself in this kind of life-threatening situation, uh, won't you panic? Of course, lah. Just like one of our brothers, a young chap, beefy of a guy, you know. If you see him, right, you think, wow, this guy really is solid. Huh? And just this Wednesday, he contracted COVID. He contracted COVID. And you know what he said to me? Verbatim, huh? Pastor Jeff, please pray I won't die. 30 over year old church member of us. Please pray, I won't die. See, when we face with a life-threatening situation, it does reveal and expose our belief of who Jesus really is. Do we truly believe Jesus to be who He really is? Or if we are honest, oftentimes we underestimate His power. Now, I'll be the first to admit. Anyone else? Hands down. All of you. Don't lie. Don't bluff. But this time around, unworthy and undeserving as I am, I don't know how many of you know of my recent heart uh, issue and recent heart condition. When I was going through that, I actually prayed. I actually prayed for God to take me home. And in your mind, uh, for those who know, hey, why are you so selfish? Right? You might ask, you have wife there, your daughters there, and my friends there, who cares about friends? <laughs> I tell you what, I care about brothers and sisters in Christ. That means all of you, see? I love you all, I care about you all. That's why I don't sleep for a few nights, so okay. For a half an hour sermon, can, 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 can take it on? Okay, stay with me, yeah? Now, why, why I pray that? I fear, like the disciples, I fear to fail Jesus anymore 
by my belief and my behavior. So most of us would know there is a, what I'm trying to say, there is a dissonance. There is a, a, a disconnect, right, between my belief, or for that matter, the disciples' belief and their behavior. Now, most of us, next slide, would know of and or heard of Elon Musk. Is Elon Musk there? Ah, he's a bit too small, I'm so sorry. Right? Now, he was awarded the Person of the Year 2021 by Times Magazine. He is a strong advocate on sustainability and climate change. In short, he's green. Huh? Not that he's short and green, but he's, he's an advocate for the green movement. Huh? But it might be surprising that Tesla, he's the one, the brainchild behind the car Tesla, which you see now on the road, right? and also SpaceX. SpaceX is a project whereby he tries to send ordinary folks or folks that can afford to fly them into space like a tour around the moon, you know. So he, he who is an advocate, and it might surprise you that um, he frequently, while he frequently lectures on the world on the benefits of reducing carbon footprint or carbon emissions, he still personally owns two petrol cars, which is a Ford, which is you see in the picture, and also a Jaguar E-Type Roadster. And he also uses his Gulfstream private jet to travel the world on business engagement, which uses, which uses an eye-watering, Hokkien Kong Lao Baksai, eye-watering 490 gallons of fuel every hour. Just the private jet stream, no? Not even the cars here, no, those petrol. So believe for him, believe for the disciples, believe for many of us, I believe, doesn't match behavior like the disciples or for, for that matter like us. And this can be seen in the question of the disciples saying, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now how is this question very revealing of their unbelief of who Jesus truly is? We know because Jesus was addressed as teacher instead of, instead of Lord. Now there are so many instances in previous chapters that tells us who Jesus is, right? To begin with, chapter 1 tells us that He is the Son of God. Then following which He forgives sins, only God can do. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. He is stronger than he is the stronger man that binds the strong evil man. And not to mention that the spirits even acknowledge to be to uh, Jesus who to be he is. All this tells us of Jesus' authority, of his divinity, and of his power, and then some. But the fear, the disciple in us probably would experience, although we come to Jesus it would be more like an underestimation again of who Jesus really is. We believe that Jesus, we believe that Jesus to forgive our sins. But we actually fear of Jesus forsaking us. So the presence or the belief of Jesus is no guarantee of our faith in Him truly 
and totally. And that's why the disciples were terrified and asked, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. And like the disciples, we do underestimate the power of Jesus in our so-called Christian lives, don't we? Now moving on, to remind you that the above incident, this storm incident took place in the middle of the Sea of Galilee when crossing from Capernaum to now across the raid to the region of Gerasenes. So they survived a terrible storm and now they landed in Gentile territory where a man possessed by an evil spirit came out to meet Jesus. Now this man lives what? What do you know of this man? This man lives in a tomb. He's isolated from normal community. He has a strength of, I don't know, maybe 10 bulls, right? No one and no, no chain can hold or tie him down. And what will he do? He would cry, he would wail, he would cut himself. Some suggested that the goal of demons is to destroy the person created in his image, in God's image. And so the man's demonization is evident in his social isolation, his superhuman strength, and his self-destructive tendencies. But no matter, when he ran and fell on his knees before Jesus, notice what he said, no, loudly some more, no? What do you want from me, Jesus, Son of God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. Now, when I read this account, my hairs, not on my head, but on my arms and on the back of my neck, stands on ends. As I vividly remember one time when my elder and brother and I were resting on my grandfather's bed. So it's about dinner time, right? And my mom called, come down and have dinner. So I woke up and before I left, I just turned around and looked. My brother still lying there, eyes wide, eyes open. And yeah, I thought he wanted to lace a little bit more, so I, I leave him be. Not until my mom asked me again to wake him. So then I noticed something is amiss. How do I notice something is amiss? I know my brother, how he looks, how. And so when I, when I, when I saw his eyes, his eyes were zoned out. His eyes stared blank and straight and I thought he was playing fool with me so I jabbed him and he didn't budge leh, because usually he would kick back leh. but not this time only after a few tries did he came about that's when he told me he tried to call me but he couldn't why? because a dark hand or something dark leh, Right? Something dark. Covered his face, pressed on his chest so much that he couldn't even call out to me. Somehow this brother of mine who is instrumental in my Christian faith, he's aware enough, calm enough, obviously this wasn't his first experience with spirits, prayed and believed in the power of Jesus' name. And he prayed this prayer. I command you evil spirit to hell in the name of Jesus. He repeated a few times and the last time he heard the spirit shouted, No! 
as if the spirit fell into an abyss and that's when he got back his breath and came back to normal my brothers and sisters and friends you don't make up such stories lah. yes I know something of this nature is difficult to prove until and unless you personally experience it but trust me I had my fair share experience experiencing the supernatural and the spirit's world. Maybe I can share that also with you, again, if you buy me dinner. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding about the dinner, not about the spirit. See, the spirit's world is true. It is true. Otherwise, Mark won't record for us here. They are powerful. Just look at the man possessed. No one and nothing can control him. And only the power that Jesus has can command even a legion. You know how many is the legion according to few commentators? It's between 3,000 to 6,000 strong. So it's like you are a commander or a CEO of a battalion for those who are in the army. Or for those who work in multinational companies, uh, that would be around that, that, that number of employees that you have. So it's that kind of strength, you know, in a man, no? And here Jesus, in the name of his, in the name of Jesus, he told the legion to leave the man, when no man and nothing could before. And how do we know so many of, so many in it possesses that man? It is evident in the pigs they possess, two thousand of them, and they were drowned. Then how did the witnesses respond? They responded in bewildered fear. Again, fear, just like the disciples. Now in the case of the spirits, the town folk's fear is already bad enough that they couldn't control the possessed man. And now comes Jesus, who made the possessed man well. Does not that make Jesus even stronger? And if he's stronger, then in their minds, that will make Jesus even more dangerous, right? That's their wrong estimate of Jesus, and that's why they ask Jesus to leave. That's one possible reason. The other reason could be the mention of pigs inform us that they feared also a loss of income. Now I pity the pigs because they were innocent. Now instead of rejoicing that man, that possessed man is well, they feared. However, the restored man is the one that is thankful and wanted to follow Jesus, only to be told by Jesus, next slide, go back to your hometown to tell. Tell them what? Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and had mercy on you. In verse 20, so the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. Notice my highlight to you there. You notice the verse 19, Jesus tells the well man, the man who was recovered, who was exorcised, to go back and tell how much the Lord. But by verse 20, the man mentioned who? How much 
Jesus. Now this seems to indicate that Jesus shares the same nature as God himself. Hence, again, tells us his power. And from the storms to the spirits, we now move on to the sick and the dead. And not before noticing that Jesus again and his disciples crossed back to Capernaum, back to Jewish populated land, right? So what happened here was that Jairus, one of the synagogue rulers, falling before Jesus, pled for Jesus to heal his dying daughter. Jesus agreed and went with Jairus without reluctance. Jesus is showing us how his ministry, how does ministry looks like. Because, uh, because seated here, many, many of us is, is involved in the prison's ministry. Maybe you do not know them. And so some of them, most of them are mainly married. So I just want to, uh, just side point, highlight a little bit of Jesus' ministry. As you, can, as you notice from this passage, he goes there and he goes back and he goes back again. That tells us a ministry is such that there he is concerned about the salvation, about the proclam- proclamation of the gospel of the kingdom of God. And so this is what we are doing. So if you are married and you are not involved, support your husband, support your wife when they are doing God's work. Because why? Our weekends are very precious. Right? Most of us are, uh, work during the weekdays. Well, come the weekend, we want to spend time. But most of our prison ministry involvement is during the weekend. So I want to commend to you, the brothers and the sisters who together with me serve in prison over the weekend. That's a side point. Yeah. Anyway, coming back. Coming back, right? So while they were going, they were going to Jairus' home, a woman described as bleeding for how many years? Can you remember? Bleeding for 12 years, no? If you're bleeding for 12 years, huh, your condition is almost terminal already. Law. Right? How can you say Tansi? You are waiting for that day you know, to happen. And suffered a great deal under many doctors, which bankrupted her savings. And instead of getting better, she became worse. She heard, she heard about Jesus and seriously thought in her heart that if she could only touch, touch Jesus, she would be healed. And true to her belief, when she touched Jesus, her bleeding stopped immediately, if you read with care. But not without Jesus knowing that power had gone up from him and asked, who touched my clothes? And who touched me? And as we will see that Jesus asking wasn't a stern warning, rather more of a commendation when Jesus said, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And all after this good news comes the bad or the sad news that Jairus' 12-year-old daughter had died. Oh, what a mix, what a mixed bag of emotions probably experienced by Jairus, right? One moment he sees hope, no? Sees hope from the healing of the bleeding woman. And the next his hope crushed, hearing of his daughter's death. Habis one time now. Truly irreversible. And Jesus, knowing 
told Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe. Hey, Jesus! My insensitive, my My daughter just died. Leh. And you ask me, don't be afraid, just believe. Notice carefully what Jesus said. He meant to say, Sorry, uh, Jesus, uh, Jairus, I can't heal your young daughter anymore. But I can raise her from the dead. How crazy can Jesus be, right? And that's why Jesus said the child is not dead but, but asleep. Now often, when we conduct wake or funerals, service of a Christian who has passed on or went back home to glory. It is especially hard for us to say things like that to a non-believing family members. She's just asleep. Or he now lives. Now we say that believing not just according to the promise of God, believing that this promise is true. And our hope lies in the promises of God and the power of Jesus. As we see here, when he raised Jairus' daughter saying, Little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately she stood up and walked around. She stood up and walked around is a testament, is a testimony, is a witness that she is well and good. And after the raising of Jairus' daughter, this is what theologians say, eh? they use this word, proto-resurrection. It's not all totally Hokkien or Singapore version. There's some things to learn also in proto-resurrection, meaning it is a foretaste of what will happen to Jesus on the cross. When he died, he was buried, and on the third day, he was raised. And to all who believed him will together be raised with Jesus when he returns. You believe or not? And so, we all have heard, we all have read this morning passage, heard the local version, the Singapore Hokkien version, and somewhat along with some commentaries that I have added, evil, sickness, and death of little children continue to exist in our world. Not every touch heals, just to be sober-minded. Huh? And those with faith still hear the dreaded word from the doctor, your little girl, your loved ones, your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, your dad, your mom is there. This passage does not offer any explanation for why a loving God allows evil to continue to exist or why the inexplicable still occurs. But it does affirm one thing. If you read with care with, or you hear with care all the four incidences, it affirms that God is on the side of those who suffer 
and are stricken by grief. Amen? A miracle does not occur in every disastrous situation. But it doesn't lessen God's power to save. Hear me correctly. So what is, what is Christ like who gives this life? He's all-powerful. He made the raging sea instantly lay flat with the word. He cast out a legion of evil spirits. He healed the outcast woman without a word. He tenderly raised the little girl. And so who is Jesus in this passage? You notice, huh? I never even draw lessons from the storm, no? which we often hear. I myself correct myself. For many years, I have allegorized using the storm illustration. The storm of our lives, the broken relationship, the relation, bad relationship that we have with one with another, the boy and girl, the bosses, and the sickness. No, it's not all about that. It's not all about the storms. It's not all about the spiritual spirits. It's not all about the sickness. If you read with care, one common thread that thread all these four incidences, there's, a, there's quite a few mention of faith, there's quite a few mention of fear, because that's when I normally, when we normally read, right, these will be possible themes to be used to extract and to apply. But they are not consistent because the fear, yeah, possible, but um, three out of four. The faith, three out of four incidences. What is common in all the four incidences is that Jesus is powerful. Amen? That's all these four, these four incidences is teaching us. And don't forget, huh? this is a continuation of Jesus' teaching to his disciples. He started with the parables and now he's showing them. So we consider ourselves disciples. Then listen carefully. Does your behavior match your belief? And so Pastor Kenneth, right? Pastor Kenneth thought about you know, he has two really very cute uh, sons. And he, is, he thought about how best, or what is the best way to, to toughen his eldest, eldest son. So he did some research and he narrowed down to an activity as to who is best to help his eldest son. And so the activity he decided on was, what do you call, how do you pronounce that? Kraft Maga? Sounds like Japanese anime manga, but it's not. See, if you seek help, right, you know that Kraft Maga, it's a military self-defense fighting system developed for the Israeli, Israel, Israel Defense Army. And many, many uh, military in the world actually uh, have this thought to their soldiers. Now, what I'm trying to tell you is that if you, uh, you, you seek help, who, do, who would you look for? Obviously, we look to the best, right? Of the best. In Pastor Kenneth's case, you can close the, um, 
slides now. In Pastor Scanner's case, he found that the craft Maga, Sinse, was a military man. And not only is he a military man, he's also the highest ranking Shuhan. Shuhan means Grandmaster in this region. Eh, that is really a big deal, no? Grandmaster. And that commands Pastor Kenneth's respect. And so what I'm trying to say in telling this story is to draw us to know that if we want to follow anyone, follow the best. Follow the one who has the power over every aspect here on earth and in heaven. Then like the disciples... Perhaps good to ask ourselves, truly, who is Jesus to me? Majority seated here, I believe, have believed in Jesus. Really? Now, if it is in our nature to want the best, wouldn't it make perfect sense to follow the one who ultimately has the power over death and our eternal destiny come what may? In your life, in my life, in your loved one's life, in my loved one's life. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for pointing us to the absolute power of Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of the storm, Lord of the spirits, Lord of the sickness, and Lord of death. In this, you have helped us to recognize who Jesus truly is, so that we can be certain of who we believe. And now that you have graciously revealed who truly Jesus is, help us, O oh Lord, to align our belief in our behavior so that we could be truly called your faithful disciples. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.